It's time for the Retire ASAP podcast. Here's your host, Taylor Fike. Welcome to the Retire ASAP show, where our goal is to get you free from work as soon as possible. My name is Taylor Fike, and with me, my co-host, Brad Fike. Yep. Uh, how are we doing today? It's, I'm good. We're like right around the corner from Christmas. Yeah, but it's been crazy the last couple of days. I think everybody's trying to get stuff done before they know. Yes. They know after this week that they're like shut down for a couple of weeks mentally to do anything. Yes. You know what I'm saying? No, you're absolutely right. Like we're, we're in a business where a lot of the times if clients come talk to us, it's it's we're like the last priority, right? We're the last stop on the list. And a lot of times we get put off. Well, we're also the first stop on the list right before Christmas time. Is it weird how that works, right? Yeah, that's, there's a there's some truth to that, I think. People want to know what's going on with my money at the end of the year, right? But I don't want to know after December 25th because I'm too busy with family and stuff like that. So I need to know like right now. So usually the first couple weeks of December are a little wild around here. Most of mine hasn't been even people caring about the numbers. They just they have stuff they want to do. They're either putting money in, in kids' accounts or they have you know, money they've been putting off all year, they know they got to get it away or their IRA contributions they think they have to have done by the end of the year. We've done some Roth conversions by the end of the year. Those do have to be done by the end of the calendar year. Right. So there is a lot of that stuff. And I just a few minutes ago, I had a lady call in and says, hey, I want to go. I want to put some money in the, the kids accounts that I have. And I have a bunch of questions on some other stuff. So it's like, OK, this is what's happening. It's, it's not really appointments. It's people. Right calling in and go, can I come in in about 10 minutes or a half hour? And you're like, okay, so they're out running, getting their last minute Christmas shopping done. Checking the box. And then they the think, oh yeah, I need to run in and see Fike for a minute. You know, it's that kind of stuff. So yesterday was that way. Today's starting to appear. That Probably going to be that yeah. same way as yeah, we go. Well, what are and, you going to do about it? But then next week, the week before Christmas? Dead silent. You won't hear a thing. You might as well not even be open sometimes. Well, it could be different this be. year. You know, COVID has changed the world. So That's true. <laughs> you never know. It's always weird how that happens. Where Traditionally, it's like, yes. And the week before Thanksgiving, we just had this too, where it was like, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, ghost town in here. You know, it's just, it's just, it's a holiday thing. People yeah. get everything done as soon as they can. Well, they kind of wait till the last minute first, but then they kind of work right up to that deadline of we know, and now we got to get it done. So, yeah, anyway, we're having fun in here. Hopefully, you're having a good time at home planning for your family, whether they're coming into town or you're leaving town, or maybe they're already in town and you're just visiting for a little bit. I hope you have some fun times in the holidays. We have some fun plans. We're heading up to see you guys. Uh, my family's coming yep. up to the lake house. Uh, to see uh, the Christmas at the lake is what Ollie has been calling it. So he loves Christmas at the lake. Well, mostly because you have that little pool in the community. That's Graham's pool. Yes. He, he loves going swimming. So swimming in the winter, if he can get that in, he is all about it. Oh, oh yeah. And it's always a good time because it's a small, cozy little family gig, you know. And uh, so it, I, I enjoy it totally. And your sister's flying in for the weekend. So it'll be yeah. a good time. It will be. It will be. So let's wrap up uh, another episode of the series. Now, we're not fully done. So when I say wrap up, we're not ending this. This is our third part of our series of five habits of financially effective people. We kind of we stole the title from Stephen Covey, who uh, wrote a book, which is really good, but we didn't really take any of his ideas out of the book. We just like the title. So, Five Habits of Financially Effective People, and this uh, title actually comes from a friend of ours who listens to the podcast. He's a client of Fike Advisors, and uh, his name's Brandon, and he, he came up with most of these ideas. He only left us with one idea that we get to put in ourselves. So we really appreciate him inputting. And if any of you guys who are listening say, hey, I'd really love to hear a series about XYZ, 
shoot me an email. Give me a call. Uh, let me know because we, we want to do that. We're looking for content. We're always trying to decide what's the most important thing that our listeners want to hear. And if you're actually telling us, then we know. So as we jump into this third week, or I should say this third episode of Five Habits of Financially Effective People, we want to talk about risk. Well, dun, risk, dun, dun, dun. risk and reward, right? So the good and there the bad. There is a reward for risk. Well, if there isn't, then there's no point in taking Well, in risk. some cases. Right. I think I, I did hear one time that uh, you only take risk if there is a site of reward because, you know, you don't go out into the middle of a field and hold up an umbrella in a, in a lightning storm, right? Like that's, yes. that's risk with no potential reward. There's nothing you're getting out of that. Not, nothing positive that I can see. Right. But you're taking a really big risk, right? So you yeah. don't want to take that kind of risk. But there is that idea of, what, how do you figure out what kind of risk you're willing to take? I mean, a uh, financially effective person regularly is considering how much risk am I taking versus how much reward am I getting for that risk? They're trying to figure out on a spectrum, on a sliding scale, where do I fit in? Am I taking more risk than I should for the reward that I'm getting? Am I taking less risk and I need to take more to get better rewards? What is it? Where do I fit in on that kind of stuff? Well, I think the thing you got to begin with here in this category is, you have to look at facts and history of how you generate the uh, spectrum of risk versus reward, right? So what you're telling me is I need to turn on the news media and ask them what to believe, you know, whether it's Fox or CNN, I just need to figure out the truth from them, right? Yeah, exactly. They only speak facts on the news. So there is is an imaginary risk reward chart out there as well. (laughs) So for all you Bitcoiners out there, which again, I'm going to say, I don't care if you do it or not, but I'm going to tell you, there could be a potential imaginary risk reward to that. There's no history there to prove anything. So, and uh, we don't know if that's going to succeed. And that would go true with uh, any kind of, uh, you know, coins that uh, are imaginary. I'll I call you, them imaginary coins because they are, right? You don't actually have a coin in your pocket. I had a really interesting, uh, a really interesting video sent to me by a friend of mine who's really into the... Uh, let's just say the Bitcoin type world of crypto. And so the video was all about NFTs. So NFT stands for non-fungible tokens. So basically what it is, it's the technology that brings all the value to it. So a lot of people are making fun of these NFTs because what they're doing is they're saying, I now have ownership of this picture on the internet, you know, whatever that picture might be, a picture of a gorilla. And this is my picture of the gorilla. I have ownership of it. It belongs to me. Well, then everyone goes, well, I can just hit copy paste. And now I have the picture of your gorilla and you don't really own anything. But the idea that's the joke of, well, you can pay thousands of dollars for these different pictures or different pieces of art that can then be counterfeited and things like that. But the real interesting part of it is the technology behind it. So I do agree with you that right now there's really a lot of risk associated with Bitcoin. And the upside potential, at least in the last couple of years, has been quite the roller coaster ride. But I think there's some real good stuff with the technology that we haven't figured out yet in our economy. And so I think a lot of people who are getting into those types of things really have to be careful because they don't they see all the reward, right? You see all these big numbers and these big gains and these thousand percent years of return um, in the last year or so. It's crazy and wild, but at the same time, you have to realize that it's the technology and the potential of that technology that everyone's getting excited about. It's not necessarily the thing that you're buying right now. 
So you got to be real careful with how much risk and reward you're getting into there. Right. Well, I say it's an imaginary reward, but here's what I could say. Why don't you turn in reality and take a chunk off the table and keep some in those coins and then let that ride. But might as well turn some into reality. The rest of it's imaginary at this point. Well, and I think we've said this in previous episodes. Until we start measuring our U.S. dollar and how much Bitcoin it's worth, we're working backwards, right? Everyone gets all excited. Bitcoin's the future. Well, the only reason it's the future is because you see how much much your Bitcoin is worth in US dollars or whatever your currency is. So if the measuring tool is the US dollar, that is still the central currency that is the most important currency. Right. Bitcoin does not matter until you start saying, well, my five US dollars is worth 0.1 Bitcoins or whatever it is. You know, that that's when we start flipping the script. And I don't know when that comes or if it ever shows up, but that is that is the reality you have to live in. You have to accept that, that that is reality. And then maybe down the road, something may change. But for now, you're right. Why why take all this risk and just dump everything into it, put all your eggs in that basket? Yeah, you can play with it with a little bit of money and maybe you strike gold. We've, <laughs> we've heard the stories, right? We have our cousin. I have friends who they've made thousands of dollars in the crypto world. Now, most of them I've encouraged to say, get that out of there. You know, you can leave your original investment in, but get all those gains out of there. Don't just sit all of your eggs in that basket because it's so volatile. Yeah, well, you know, there's a lot of stories out there, so people continue to buy into it. And But here's the best story I like, and we're digressing completely off target here. Yeah, a sure, bit. yeah, a little bit. A little bit. But anyhow, here's the greatest thing, you know, they talk about Bitcoin or a cryptocurrency is like uh, gold is a diversifier for the stock market. Yes. Uh, gold happens to be incredibly down this year. And the market incredibly up. But if we go back and look historically at gold during times of recessionary periods, it doesn't knock the world out. Right. It happened one time back in the, what was it, early 2000s, like 2001, 2002 tech bubble. Mm-hmm. Gold went up. Therefore, it was a diversifier. All of a sudden, it becomes this earmark One thing. time out of history, if you go back through all the other ones, there's absolutely no, no facts that prove that it is actually a uh, non-correlated asset so now here's cryptocurrency going well it's going to be your non-correlated asset stock market so when the stock market crash crypto is going to go up well if it's just like gold then they better watch out how they're comparing the two absolutely that's just a side point i heard this uh on a podcast yesterday and i started laughing i go i never quite thought of that because everybody's thinking crypto is you know going to be like gold is a diversifier right and gold is not a great diversifier it has its own runs it does what it wants to do when it wants to do it right yeah there's no real sign that it's the safe place in a down market even though that's how it's sold right it's sold as this is your usually now yeah Yeah, this is your safe haven when things go bad um but like you say historically there's not a ton of evidence well there's so much money to be made buying and selling gold let's face it and period that's it isn't that the heart of it all there's so much money to be made in buying and selling crypto you think the interesting thing about cryptocurrency that i've learned is the uh i think they call them gas prices it's the price of doing the business it's the the custodian costs the price of the transaction, things like that, those are where a lot of your costs come in and owning those cryptocurrencies. No one talks about that. They just talk about how much it's grown. Well, the problem is you lose a chunk of that return when you try to cash it out because there's all these different costs in between. So yeah, absolutely. There's a ton of money to be made in that industry. Wherever there's a lot of money to be made, there's always a lot of conversation about it. And usually 
it has a little spin to it. And Wall Street's kicking at the heels. That's right. They're already creating uh, mutual funds for that. Well, we did digress a little bit, but I mean, we're not that far off. But we did talk about risk reward and, you know, the imaginary piece and actual facts. You got to look at the facts if you're going to do it for your core money. You're You're right. And you mentioned diversification. You talked about gold as being maybe not the best diversifier. I think when it comes to risk and reward, the biggest conversation has to be around what is the diversification of your assets and why? Because I think some people, well, you look at guys like uh, Jim Cramer and Mad Money. One of the things he said is you can, if you have 10 stocks in your portfolio, you're diversified. I don't think so. It depends on what those 10 stocks are, number one. What if they're all 10 tech stocks? Well, when the tech bubble hits, you know, in 2001, you get crushed because you had 10 stocks, but they were all the same type of, you know, sector of the market. You can't just settle in on, I have so many numbers of companies, even if it's more than 10, maybe it's 100, maybe it's 500. It's not about how many companies you have. It's about really trying to figure out what that correlation is. So maybe, I don't know if you want to jump in, I don't want to go too far into the weeds, but just a real simple definition of what correlation is to, to our listeners. Well, if something's not correlated uh, to the stock market, so uh, correlation means does it act the same way when markets go up or markets go down? So a perfect example, in most cases, a very low low correlated asset class to uh, the stock asset class is bonds, right? right? So traditionally, not always, it doesn't always work perfect this way, but traditionally when stocks go up, bonds are down, and when stocks are down, bonds go up. And that's why you have bonds and stocks in a portfolio. It helps smooth that roller coaster ride out when things go really, really south. Okay, 15, 20% or more, uh, you know, dip in the market, basically considered a recession after 20. And that's when bonds usually traditionally go up. 2008, you can throw all that out the window. They all failed, right? Mm -hmm. Everything failed. Right. That was a different, you know, it, it doesn't always happen that way. So when we talk about correlation, we want assets in our diversified portfolio are going to have assets that move in different directions at different times so that it helps smooth out the ride. I kind of make it like a, an orchestra, right? So right. you got all these, all these instruments playing to make the song sound really cool. Yeah. And if they're all the same instrument, it isn't quite as cool, right? right. So that's kind of what we're trying to compare it to. Yeah, to go on with that, with that idea that comparison exactly so you have your strong and loud and deep instruments right and yeah those are like your percussion right you have to have that for certain reasons in in your band same reason why you have to have certain types of companies like say tech stocks or healthcare stocks in your portfolio and then you have other things that are a little bit more quiet and a little softer and that's why you have to have high quality bonds or or something along those lines It, it, it just it all melds together into something that makes a really good picture for the risk that you're going to be taking because here's the thing the more the higher the risk of the asset it should be that you get a higher reward for that so in theory the more risk you take the more return you should get what you find out is is that if you are using a non-diversified or something that's a a real simple portfolio that has just one type of stock or one type of bond in it what you're finding is you're taking a certain level of risk but you're not getting an increased reward for that what you can do is you can diversify that out, find some non-correlated assets, smooth that ride out. What you can do is either increase your return for the same level of risk, for the same downside risk, because what you've done is you've offset some of the bad side of your portfolio with certain assets. So the beauty of this is that risk and reward ratio, 
as you start looking at that spectrum, you go, well, I want to take full on risk. I'm full aggressive as an investor. I want to make the most money possible. Okay, well, let's go into a stock portfolio that has a few hundred, few thousand different stocks in it. Now, the, what we need to do is make sure that we're spread across different sectors, different types of companies, large, small, maybe some international, some stuff in there, just to make sure that even though we're all a 100% stock, we have different types of stocks that have different days that they're up and different days that they're down, and it smooths out that ride long-term rather than putting it all in one bucket. I mean, we've all heard the the you know the saying of don't put all your eggs in one basket. That's exactly what diversification is. It doesn't bet the farm on one company or one type of company. Right. And you get in the stock world, you got growth stocks, which are a lot of your tech stocks, the stuff that's that's high flying stock, right? It's mm-hmm. going to grow, grow, grow. And then you got value stocks, which are somewhat considered depressed value stocks, but mm-hmm. they pay dividends. Most of them have a good dividend payout. And there's different types of dividend stocks to buy. So it's not just like, oh, they pay a dividend, I'm going to buy that. Well, you also want to look at what type of company. You got to almost look at every company individually and go, is this a growth company? Is it a value company? Is it large, medium-sized, small company that have growth or value in the small world as well? But you want to try to identify, to get a good diversified portfolio, it takes a lot of thought. Right. It's not just going, oh, this is a great company. They look like they're going to do well or they've been doing really good. But if I do that with 10 different companies, it might be the same. They just happen to be high flying. They have momentum right now. It doesn't really help my portfolio long term. Yeah. Okay. We're talking long term here. And like you just said, certain companies, they can pass in and out of those types of, of those types of investments. So And go away. Yeah. One year they can be a growth <laughs> stock, the next year they can be a value stock because they had a rough year. You know, though that can all be changing on a you know, a scale of every year, every time you look at it, it could be a different style of company. So it does add that level of work if you're doing this on your own. It does require a lot of research. I mean, you you bring in a money manager or an advisor or an investment advisor, whatever it is, you bring that person in for their expertise of knowing, man, how do these companies fit into my portfolio? Some people just say, well, I just want to invest my money and make money. Well, it's not as easy as that. There is a complex level of deciding which company and why and and knowing how to look for those different types of things and making sure you are diversified. If you're not doing that research on your own, you need to have a professional that's doing it for you at the very least. Yeah, and I, I love the internet, but it has created a massive amount of financial information out there that just does not work for the masses. Right. You know, it's a guy selling a newsletter. It's, we got the hottest stock pick this month, you know, or this week. And, you know, if you follow that, I I can almost assure you long-term 20, 30 years down the road, you will do better off in a plain old boring diversified portfolio time after time will outplay the guys that are throwing all these this crap on the internet going, you know, we can make 180% here or, you know, blah, blah, blah. You can also lose 180%. So right. don't forget, they don't talk about the bad side. They only talk about the good side, all their winners in the past. And I'll tell you, you're not going to beat a diversified. History has proven that. Now, I can't guarantee that, but I'm going to tell you, history has proven that a well-diversified portfolio wins every time. So let's give them something practical here. So All right. let's let's put you in the listener's shoes. They're sitting here. They're going, okay, I know that I know, and I know that I need to know a lot about risk, and I need to know how much risk I'm taking, how much reward I'm getting for that. What's the best way that you can tell someone to say, hey, this is how you know your risk level. This is how you know where you're at risk-wise. 
well, that's a process. It's not a simple one question, you know. Right. Uh, well, here's a perfect question to you. If you're the client is, what kind of risk do you want to take? Uh, right. I don't know. Well, how, how much risk do you take when you're driving down the road? Are you a wild driver? Do you run, you know, stop signs? Uh, no. Uh, do you drive real slow? No, I'd probably drive down the middle. Oh, well then you're a mild middle. We're going to put you as a moderate risk. That's all the process is, right? <laughs> oh, that would be so easy if it was. When you can't ask that question because here's the funny thing. You've, have you ever seen that study of people are asked how good a drivers they are to rate themselves on a scale of one to 10? Oh yeah. And and most people pick like a seven or an eight. Yeah. Well, if you're really on a true scale of one to 10, the majority of people should be four, five, and six, middle of the road drivers, right? And there's going to be some excellent drivers and some poor drivers. I think it was like a ridiculous number of like 75 or 80% of people picked above seven. Oh, yeah. I've, they yeah. think they're above a seven driver. Now, most people don't pick 10. They don't think they're perfect drivers, but no one thinks they're a four or a five. Same thing happens in the risk conversation. If you ask the question just like that, people go, well, you know, I, I'm comfortable with a little bit of risk or I'm comfortable with some of this stuff. And then once they, you know, the rubber meets the road, they see the returns of their portfolio or the downside of their portfolio. They go, wait a second, I didn't know this could happen. It's like, well, you, you really almost got have to see the experience of what you can you can have happen to the money. Yeah, and I think it's a process you go through with an advisor or you figure it out online. I mean, mm -hmm. it's going to take some time, but you know, you look into what uh, I think the discussion that, you know, for me or probably for you as well is that we look at, uh, we have the discussion of what standard deviation means. I think yeah. that's a very extremely important, which is how, how much can this portfolio vary? Yeah. And if you see your account, and so you have that discussion, if the account has potential to go this high, here's the average expected return here. Here's the average expected downside, you know, is that comfortable? And then you go through the conversation and then you go through another you know, type of mix and you just back and forth it for a while. And eventually you come to the conclusion. Mm -hmm. And you know, that's not just that you also have to look at how much time frame do I have and what kind of, you know, just all kinds of, it's just a very, there's that's a, a tough question. Cause there's not a simple formula for doing it. It's a, it's the combination of everything we do brings that all together. So what you're saying is it's not a five question questionnaire that you fill out when you sit down in somebody's office. Oh, you mean like when you go to an employer and, a, and you're on the 401k <laughs> plan and you go, well, I don't know anything about investing. Well, here, answer these five questions. It'll tell you exactly what to invest in. And then it'll go, well, see, you got 40 years till retirement. We're going to invest you in the 2060 target date fund because that's the best thing for you. Yeah. And you're like, Okay. okay. What does that even mean? I, Doesn't I, matter. It's easy. I'm done. Yep. Exactly. Out of <laughs> and sight, there's out of no mind. risk on the on the provider of that service yeah, either. Yeah, because you signed off on it, baby. But um, yeah, I I think you're right. It comes down to really nailing down and seeing those numbers. So what we use is a really cool software that we can plug in a portfolio. So let we can use some of our some of our mixes that we have in in our office, and we can plug it in and say your standard deviation is going to be let's say 19. percent Okay, so this is a high high risk type of portfolio. There's a lot of fluctuation that can happen in there. But we can boil it down. If you tell us how much money you're looking to invest, say $100,000, we can boil it down and say your $100,000, worst case scenario next couple weeks according to statistics, could go as low as 72,000. You know, it could go as low as 84,000. Whatever that number is depending on the portfolio. We can show you and say how comfortable are you with that? If you opened up your statement in the middle of the year and you saw your $100,000 is now worth 72, would you lose sleep over over that? Well, maybe, maybe not if you're looking if you're getting close to the edge of retirement, 
you are a conservative person, you may look at that and go, I never want to see that number. Okay, that's too much risk. Now, on the flip side of that, the reward for that is that you can really get some great returns long-term in a portfolio like those things. But what matters more than your return is how well do you sleep at night knowing that this could happen? So maybe we need to back this down to where worst case scenario, your $100,000 uh, statistically, will be could be somewhere down around 90. Can you live with that? Well, I don't like it, but I could live with that. Okay, that's more of your risk factor, right? Seeing those actual dollar numbers really changes the game because I think originally when we did a lot of this stuff, when I first started here, we talked about percentages. You know, the, the standard deviation says you, can, you could lose 10%. Oh, okay, that doesn't seem so bad. Well, until you put a dollar amount to that, you go, oh, 10%, that's, that's a small amount of my money. Well, if you have $500,000, that's a lot of money, right? 10% is 50K. So you, you're comfortable with losing $50,000? Whoa, you didn't tell me I could lose $50,000. Yes, I did. I said 10%. So you, you really have to put the dollar sign beside it for people to go, ooh, that one hurts. I don't like that one. Or, oh, I'm okay with that number. I don't like it, but I'm okay with that. We measure downside risk first. That's the priority. What kind of risk are you comfortable with taking? And then we talk about the reward on the other end. Right. And I agree with you. The dollar amount's way more important than percentages because people don't really get percentages. A lot of people do, but there's some that don't. So you got to be really careful there. But you also got to remember that even though we say you lose 50,000, you haven't lost. It's not a, not a realized loss. It's just unrealized. It's a paper loss at that point, unless you cash out. And if you don't get that number right, then there's a high temptation for somebody to cash out when they're down 50,000. Yeah. Right. So absolutely. then it becomes a real loss. Mm -hmm. So you have to, you have to really, you know, it's a whole education process wrapped around lots of little pieces. Absolutely. It's truly a puzzle. Absolutely. No, I think that makes a ton of sense. So, for our listeners, all that to say, if you're trying to figure out what your risk measurement is, what are you comfortable with risking, you need to talk to an advisor. I mean, you can figure this out online if you want to start learning how standard deviation works, how your portfolio and what stocks or what mutual funds or what investments you choose, how they fluctuate and what the historical values have been and how you can kind of measure some of those things. You can do that research online. There's a ton of stuff out there. It's really confusing. So you can end up do you can end up in analysis paralysis. You, yeah. You've looked at too much information and in the end you just go, this is too complicated. I'm done. Um, or you can hire somebody like us who is an advisor who has the software, has the experience, has the knowledge and can say, look, this is what you're looking at. And this doesn't mean that as the advisor, at least in our end, that we want you to do this. What we're just trying to do is present you with all the information so that you can make a decision on your own. I think that's really important that any financial decisions you make with your money has to be your decision. Uh, one of the, the things about risk and reward and why I say financially effective people really consider this on a regular basis is because it's their decision to be in the portfolio they're in. If all of a sudden you put the responsibility on the advisor or on the 401k provider or whoever it is and say, well, I didn't pick this. They picked it for me. I just, I let them do it. All of a sudden, you now have lost all control of what you're doing. You need to have some knowledge. You don't need to know every single detail, but you should have some knowledge as to why you're in the portfolio that you're in. What goals are you trying to reach with that? So if you're looking to do that, call our office. You can head over to our website, fikeadvisors.com. You can call our office. The phone number is up at the top of the page, or you can just click the schedule now button, opens up our calendar. You can schedule a consultation where we'll talk about some of these things. We'll go over some of these numbers for free. It doesn't cost you a dime. It's going to cost you a little bit of time, so you will have to spend you know, 20, 30 minutes with us as we talk through some of these details, but it doesn't cost you any money just to get an opinion on some of this. So 
do it. There's no risk to you on that side other than you may walk out with more knowledge than what you walked in with. And that's our goal. We want to make sure that we have educated investors who are making great decisions with their money over time. Yeah. And I think I, I'd like to finish with saying that if you're invested in anything, any kind of portfolio, whatever it is, I don't care if it's from Bitcoin to bonds to you know, real estate or whatever, if you don't know the risk and reward to that, the downside and the upside, not just in general, you know, like, oh, this is great. I'm making a killing, blah, blah, blah. But not knowing what your risks are, then you shouldn't be in it. And the only way you're ever going to know that is to take some time before you put your money. I'm talking hard in money. If you want to gamble with five grand or 10 grand and do some silly stuff with it, that's fine. That, that's more of a game. But your core money, your money that you're going to rely on for the rest of your life and your retirement, you better know what the risk reward is or you're not going to be a happy camper down the road. Warren Buffett's well known for saying that, right? Like he he's the ultimate do-it-yourselfer investor. He's always been that proclaimed guy. Of, he's the stock picker. He always knew what's going on. He said in multiple interviews and in multiple articles, he says, if you don't know exactly everything about this company you're investing in, don't do it, right? If you don't understand why it does what it does, you are, you're taking way too much risk. And that doesn't mean that you have to understand every single company. That's why you hire someone who does. But the reality is if you are doing it yourself, don't get into anything, whether, like you said, whether it's Bitcoin, gold, or stocks, don't get into anything unless you have all the information and right. you're comfortable with that. So anyway, we'd love to have you uh, reach out to us. Again, email me if you have any ideas for future content. If you want to hear something, you have questions about some things. We did a listener questions episode uh, a few months ago, which was really fun. We had a listener send in about five questions from her and her employees. That was great. Obviously, Brandon's put together some of this series for us, which we've really enjoyed. Um, we'd love to hear from you guys. Another thing that we'd really love to have you guys do is if you could share this podcast with family and friends that you feel like need some financial guidance. They have some questions that we have answers to. You've been listening to podcasts for a little while. You say, yeah, these guys got some answers that maybe my son or my daughter or my grandson or granddaughter or maybe my friend need to hear. Share us with them. You can do that. We're on Apple or Spotify or pretty much anywhere you can get a podcast. We're there. So you can share. Just say, hey, look up Retire ASAP. You'd, you'll be able to find them pretty quickly where there's not a whole lot of them out there called that. So do that. And if you don't have anyone to share us with, we'd be happy if you'd leave us a rating or a review. So whether it's on Apple or wherever, if you could just give us a rating of how you really feel, it's out of five stars. And then a little review, that puts us up in the search engine. So when people start looking for us, uh, if they search retirement or they search finances, the more ratings and reviews we have, the higher up we end up on that list when people are looking. So we would really appreciate if you take five minutes out of your day, do that for us. That would be awesome. All right. Closing thoughts. Financial yo guy. Yeah. I think if you're going to be sitting at the bar over Christmas and having a Christmas ale or, mm. you know, uh, old fashioned or something with your buddies and you run out of things to say, just look at them and go, hey, what's your risk and reward? <laughs> I'm, Get I'm the sure. conversation going and then go, you know what? You should listen to that Retire ASAP program. They talk about stuff like that. That would be great, you know? Yeah. And and I know that you put a bunch of guys together at a bar and investments come up. It's almost inevitable. Probably more Bitcoin than anything today. Probably. But hey, you know what? Throw our podcast <laughs> hey, in Hey, it's there. a conversation. A little plug too. Yeah, so. there you go. Well, guys, we won't be back until after the holidays. So have a Merry Christmas, a Happy New Year, Happy Holidays, whatever you celebrate. Um, and we will talk to you guys soon. Ditto.
Investment advisory services provided by Fike Advisors, LLC. Information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Please consult a professional before taking any action. Information is obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed.